Welcome to The New Way, the bite-sized podcast for leaders and executives like you who want to transform their organisation and inspire people to work in new ways. Forget stalled progress and disappointment from upstairs. Each episode, I reveal how to communicate your vision, drive change, and become the leader that everyone loves. No BS or fluff, just the practical info that you need. I'm Dr. Kate Byrne. Get ready for actionable insights, mini execution plans, and game-changing secrets from my 20 years in the trenches, supporting senior leaders to introduce the new way. (laughs) Let's get started. How much research do you do when you're putting together the communication strategy for your change program? If you're like most change managers and change leaders that I know, the answer is not all that much. Perhaps you and your team have developed a stakeholder analysis, you've got key messages, and you've gotten to work creating and distributing communication materials, maybe even hosting events as part of delivering your organizational change program. But how do you know whether or not any of that is the most effective and impactful approach? How do you know your key messages are going to land? How do you know your events are going to help? How do you know your support materials are going to hit the mark? It all comes down to whether or not smart research and analysis underpins our efforts. And that's what I'm talking about with my guest on the show today. Sarah Illy is the founder and director of communications and marketing consultancy, Sale Communications. Sarah has over 20 years experience devising and implementing engagement projects, strategic communication plans and marketing campaigns. Sarah's background is in research and data analytics, and she has a passion for research-led strategy. And her specialty is all about unearthing insights and embedding an audience-centric approach into the development of marketing and communication strategies. So she is perfect for us to talk about this topic with. We had a fascinating conversation and I'm so excited for you to listen in. You're going to hear about when research is most useful and when we can get away with not doing it, why research and listening needs to be at the heart of your communication strategy. Sarah shares her three-step approach to research, which really grounds and makes the whole process really clear and accessible. And you're also going to hear practical tips for measuring and reporting on the effectiveness of your communication efforts. If you think that research is intimidating or something that you just don't have time for, I understand. But this conversation with Sarah is going to help change your mind. Okay, let's dive in. Sarah, hello. Welcome to the podcast. I am so happy that you're here. I'm excited for our conversation. Thanks, Kate. I'm super excited too to be here chatting with you today. I know this isn't the first time that we've talked. Let me set the scene a little bit for folks listening in. Change managers often have to, as part of their work and their role, something that comes up a lot of the time in the planning kind of phase is putting together a change management strategy and a number of different plans, including things like a learning and development or training plan uh, and a communication plan, those kinds of things. When it comes to the communication plan, most change managers I know, they've done maybe an impact assessment, a change impact assessment, and they do a very light on stakeholder analysis is what I'm going to call it. They kind of, there's usually a matrix or a table with groups 
but it's pretty light on and it, usually that work of analysis and kind of thinking about kind of only happens at that beginning planning stage. And this is why I'm really excited to talk to you because I know that you have a lot of interest in that area of research and linking it to communication and underpinning things. I'm going to start with a big question. Is research and analysis something that should underpin our change communication strategies? That's a great question. Absolutely. I think it's so important. And it's not just underpinning the change in communication strategies. It should actually be with us all the time. And if you think about it, think back to uh, childhood. One of the things that you would love to do is ask why. Children are very good at asking why or why not. And that's what research is about. And that's why research is is just so important, basically, in, in everything. So when you start with a, a change management strategy, it's just or a con strategy. It's key to understand who your audience is, what are their needs, how are they going to react, all those sort of questions. And it's just essential to kind of you know allow the time to really you know understand your audience up front so that you can really, I guess, cater to their needs and, and really make sure that your comms are, are impactful. I completely agree. And I wonder. Do you think that that research, the time for research, is very much at the beginning and planning stage? Is it kind of like a once and done, once we've done it and we plan for it, then we're good to go? Or do you think that it's something that we should revisit throughout the change journey or the communication campaign or whatever it is? I think it's definitely not a set and forget. I think it's very much we need to, it's constantly part of us. It typically becomes part of the planning stage in that they think, okay, well, we need to start with insights. We need to start with research. We need to run a survey, for example. Then we get the results and then we do something with it. And then we leave that information either on the shelf or we just never come back to it. But it's like we talk about continual improvement in business. And this is what research is. It's continual understanding. And it doesn't have to be scary. It can just be anything from asking questions or watching people or you know, looking at the numbers in Google Analytics. It's just always, always there and shouldn't and doesn't necessarily have to be just at the beginning. Yeah, okay. So because I have heard you say that research and analysis should really be at the heart of a communication strategy or plan. And is that in part what you mean, that it should be alive, that research and analysis should be alive throughout it? Absolutely. You know, we talk about a communications plan is understanding the audience, understanding, you know, the right channels to use, understanding the right messages. So research is at the heart of that to understand just what are the right ones to use. So, you know, we talk about things like audience centric or audience first communications. And that's really what it is. It's basically putting the audience at the centre And to do that, you really need to understand who they are, how they tick, how they react. In my view, that's what putting at the centre actually means. Mm, I love that. That's so great. And thank you. You just mentioned three things, particularly the people, so your stakeholders, then the channel and the messaging as well. That is a great structure for people to think about. I'm going to ask you some more tactical, practical types of things. With that, stakeholders, what kind of research can we do? to better understand who our stakeholders are and what their interests are? Sometimes I think the word research just puts people off right from the beginning because it sounds scary, it sounds expensive, it sounds official, sounds like time-consuming, big dollars, big hours. But really it's to, you know, kind of to research our stakeholders 
it can be as simple as just going to a meeting and watching them. You know, how are they either talking, how are they responding, what questions are they being asked? So particularly when you're looking at, say, like a change reform and you've got a, a senior leader who's giving an introduction to what's going to happen, have a look in the room, read the room. How are people actually responding? What is their body language? You know, that is part of research, actually just watching. Then there's the listening, there's the talking. So you can actually go and ask them afterwards. So how do you think the room responded? How do you think this was received? What messages do you think resonated the most? So your stakeholder research is really identifying, I guess, the whole organisation, all the different people who are impacted by, for example, a reform, and then understanding and talking to them about you know their thoughts, what they've observed, even, for example, setting their team with a task to find out information on the internet, for example. So if they're looking for, okay, what is our new organisational structure, they could go to the internet and then you could watch them basically and have, see how they perform the task and that's another rich data source. Oh, I love your focus on the observation. That's so cool because I think that a lot of change managers that I know I think they think about research primarily as surveys or interviews. They jump straight to that. So that's a really great suggestion about thinking about observation, you know, attending meetings or other team events and gathering information based on what you see. Exactly. I think observation is so much fun as well because observation will give you actual behaviour. So asking surveys, asking questions will give you perhaps recall or claimed behaviour. So what people either think they will do or what they think they did. One of the stories from early on in my career in research was in Shopper Insights, in that if you at Coca-Cola, you ask people, what brands do you drink? Oh, I drink Fanta, Coca-Cola, or I always drink those brands. Go and watch, say, like the main grocery buyer in in the supermarket, follow them around, so observe how they shop, and you'll see them maybe put a bottle of Sunkist into their trolley. But they said... They bought Coca-Cola. They would only drink Coca-Cola. They would only drink, you know, Fanta, their brands. So then you watch them do that and you go and talk to them afterwards. And they're they're like, well, yeah, I I like to buy Coca-Cola, but Pepsi was on special, so I bought it. So it's just that the power of observation and the power of almost observation before then you ask the questions because you can watch them and then say, oh, so why did you do this or why didn't you do this? Yeah, I, I love your focus. And, in fact, you just mentioned three steps that watching, listening, and then talking and doing it in that order is so lovely. I also appreciate that you use the word listening, which is really about asking questions and then listening. You've kind of wrapped up the active behaviour <laughs> that is most important for the researcher at that time. Tell me more about things we can do to listen. I think the thing with listening is not jumping to hypotheses or conclusions too quickly. So I think listening, and again, this is what children do so well. They don't stop at the one why. It's the, but why, but why, but why. It's that layered research, I think, is key in that if you listen, but then you're too busy in your head jumping to, okay, that's what we can do, or this is what it means, then you actually kind of might miss all of the subtleties in what you're learning. So almost you have to ask five questions to really get to the core of what you know, either the the pain point is or the core of what, you know, the opportunity is. So I think it's that kind of multiple listening and not jumping into conclusion before it's fully formed. Oh, that's the hardest part, isn't it? I mean, that is the power of research, busting our own assumptions. But I know, and I'm sure this is across industries, I know that 
change managers and communication professionals and even learning professionals and specialists in that space, when you've been in the industry for a long time and you've seen lots of different things, we can assume that we know that we have a sense based on the broader context that we've already got about what is going to work here. But taking the time to genuinely observe and listen to kind of challenge our own assumptions can be really powerful. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons why one of the trends at the moment is we don't call research research anymore. We call it discovery. We call it listening. We call it learning. And I think that helps in a number of ways in that it kind of demystifies it. It makes it also open to everyone. So you might say, oh, well, I don't do research because I'm not a research. I'm not a data scientist. I'm not a research manager. But everyone can do research. So it's really making it more accessible. So good. Ooh, I like this. This is a very interesting conversation. Are there different types of initiatives or campaigns, communication campaigns or change in that space that are going to benefit from research more than others? Are there some campaigns or initiatives that We can probably get away with a very light touch when it comes to listening, discovery, those types of things, whereas there are others that we need to kind of invest a bit more time and energy and effort. Or should we be applying the same amount of consideration to those things across the board? What do you reckon? I think it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all approach, for sure. I think it depends on maybe what's at risk or what's the opportunity. So if you're launching a new brand, for example, I wouldn't recommend doing a light touch research because that would be a lot of money that you're potentially wasted by not really understanding what the product was or what, I guess, the the market for that NPD was. But if you're doing a kind of, do we change the kitchen offering from teas to coffees or something very, very, very kind of small, then you might just ask a couple of people or in a team meeting, you might just ask for a hands up who wants coffee or hands up who wants tea. So I think it really depends on the scope of what you're doing, how important it is to the organisation, what I guess the opportunity on the market is. So yeah, it really depends. What is the business opportunity? What are the organisational goals? And then you can kind of craft your research or your discovery around that. It could be as simple as just doing desktop research. Even, you know, things like Google Analytics can tell you a lot about how users are responding to content on your internet or on on your internet. So, yeah, it really depends what you're looking to do. Yeah, okay. But it should be a consideration point in all change. I think by the sounds of things, it is worth us checking ourselves early on in that planning stage where we're thinking about what our approach to planning is going to incorporate to consider about what effort, what do we think, how should we apply discovery, listening in this context. It's always worth thinking about. Exactly. And I think not just thinking about it upstream. So it's critical in the planning phase, but in that planning phase, you've also got to set metrics because you've got to evaluate performance against what you're looking to do. So you use the you know, kind of research or listening upstream to really understand your audience. And then to the best of your ability, you then craft a communications strategy and plan with all the kind of touch points, all the, the artifacts that you're delivering. And then you want to know, but how did that work? So I've done, I've done all this great work setting it up for success, but did it actually do what I wanted it to do? So I wanted, you know, my staff or my consumers to think, feel, you know, do. 
are they actually doing that? So you need to understand, okay, if I'm changing behavior, if I'm making them feel engaged, well, what is engagement? What is the metric for measuring engagement? And what was our target for it? And then how do we perform against it? And then we learn again. So it's like learn, do something, measure, relearn. So it's a kind of virtuous circle. Oh, you just said so many very useful things there. I want to come back and pull something apart. I agree. Measurement is incredibly important. And this is an area that I actually think is, I'm making a blanket statement here. If you disagree with me, that's cool. Drop me a note on LinkedIn (laughs) and tell me that you do it differently and that you're outstanding at this. And I would love to have that conversation with you. But my experience tells me that measurement and tracking is a light on area in the change and communication space generally, an area for opportunity to improve and strengthen that. And it is something that leaders are asking for, they want to see, but that it's not something that is considered well up front in terms of setting those targets. Sarah, you dropped in very casually, you know, with your audience, were we able to, do they think, feel and do the things that we wanted them to think, feel and do? Those three words, think, feel, do, are foundational to the kinds of different communication objectives that you might be covering, no matter what your change plan, the stage in the change journey, the communication plan or campaign. So I just wanted to call that out so that people who are listening in right now, if you're out for a walk or you're driving the car, remember the words think, feel and do, and then think about shaping your objectives around those different areas. I love that Sarah just dropped it in like it's no big thing, but actually that is a big thing. (laughs) That is a really big thing. Now I'm going to circle back. About that tracking and measurement, something I typically see is that it's easy for us to track output. You know, we put this web page up, we had posters, we had a launch event, we had 40 people attend that workshop, we did 10 workshops, those kind of output numbers, they're easy to track and we typically do track them. But are there other types of metrics along that thinking about that think, feel and do that we should be thinking about? Absolutely. I think the whole measurement side is so key. If we're not learning about what we've done, then we can't really look to improve the next time. So we've got to know whether we've done it right, whether our kind of campaign dollars have been well spent. So in terms of metrics, I guess there's like there's, uh, we call them vanity metrics and there's proxy metrics. So you've got to make sure you've got the right metric, I guess, is the first thing. So what are you looking to measure? And then what is the right metric to measure that? So for example, on a vanity metric, I don't know if you heard a lot of talking at the moment about net promoter score, NPS. That's one metric that we're kind of moving away from in that it's meant to be a metric around your people who advocate versus people who detract. So net loyalty. But it's actually, again, it's just a metric that makes you feel good. So I think the first thing is, yeah, what do I need to measure and what metric is the best to do that? So for example, you might want to go, okay, well, am I delivering the right content? Therefore, you might want to look at things like downloads. You might want to look at things like that's rate. So all the kind of Google Analytics type metrics to find out, okay, did they actually search? Another one, you know, you mentioned things like putting up posters. You could obviously do things like a survey and like, did you actually see that poster in the lift as you came out onto the floor? But that is, again, probably one of more the vanity matrix so that the senior manager can say, oh, well, 80% of people said that they saw the poster. 
you'd be better off just actually looking at, for example, foot traffic so you know how many people actually went past it and just even just looking at it. So eyeballs, how many you know eyeballs were actually on the poster? Yeah, and I guess then there's also that element of, okay, people saw the poster but so what? Exactly. And you can't rely on just a poster. We talked a lot in the shopping environment about the path to purchase. And so that's basically having multiple touch points to engage and bring the shopper along a journey. So I think it's really important not to rely, a poster is a poster, you can't just rely on it. It's so important to have kind of the, like we talk about repetition of messaging, and the same goes for repetition of either touch points or communication materials. So good to think about. So in terms of if I'm kind of new to this research idea, but it is something I want to incorporate into my planning for change manager or change leader into our communications and that kind of thing, what should I do to start? The first thing is, what are your goals? So am I looking for staff to feel informed about a change or are you looking for them to for take up of the change? Are you looking for satisfaction all those sort of things. So I guess you've got to go, well, this is what the change we're implementing and this is the desired response or desired behaviour. So that would be the very first thing. And then it gets back to that metrics again, like how do we actually measure that? It's always a tricky one. There's no kind of you know silver bullet. There's no one metric to rule the world. It really depends on what you're trying to measure and then just getting the best proxy measurement for it. So, for example, you might go, okay, well, how engaging is the content I'm putting on the internet or the internet? One of the things you might look at is time on page or, again, like bounce rate. So it's trying to kind of get the best, closest measurement to what you're looking to achieve. The first time I realised that when we were doing research, we were never, ever going to be able to report on an absolute reality of an outcome the best we could ever do is the closest possible proxy. If we assume that people, for example, have a certain attitude around something, what are the clues that they would have that attitude? And then how can we track that attitude? And that's what you mean by proxy, isn't it? Exactly. So you could even look at things like retention, staff retention rates, you know, is the number of resignations, have they gone down? You know, any complaints? Yeah, all those sort of things that go, okay, well, this seems to be a success because I've got happier staff, I've got more engaged staff, productivity, time to get jobs done. There's all these kind of close metrics that you can use to try and evaluate what's actually happening. I hope that that is something that if you're listening to this, you are now inspired to take some time. doesn't matter where you are in the change journey. It doesn't matter if you've done your planning a while ago. Think about what some of those measurements and the the proxy indicators of success, whatever success is, could look like and start thinking about how you can track those. Oh, so interesting. And then after the tracking, there's the reporting back. So it almost becomes full circle because you have to go, okay, well, I know these metrics now. How do I share them? How do I disseminate? What level do I share them with? Are they just, we talk a lot about dashboards and So like having a content audit dashboard for senior leaders, for example. So you almost want to know, okay, what are the proxy metrics and what do they need to know as opposed to maybe disseminating through the broader organisation? So again, it's this one constant learning circle. Mm. Oh, I love it. It's very considered and very smart. And that is smart, considered communications and change is what is required today. So this is a very, very important conversation. Sarah, tell me, how can folks keep the conversation going with you? 
reach out to me on LinkedIn. So Sarah Illy, Illy like the coffee or like the singer. I could just keep talking data, insights, research forever. So please do reach out to me. I'd love to continue the conversation. I'm a self-confessed data nerd. So yeah, happy to keep talking on this subject. Yes, and you don't need to be a data nerd yourself. Sarah is also very happy to talk to you if that's an area that you need help with or want to explore in a different kind of way as well. But we'll link to your LinkedIn profile and all of that kind of stuff. Thank you so much. This has been such an interesting conversation. I'm going to keep thinking about it. Thank you. You're welcome, Kate. It's been great talking to you too. 